0: It is an essential word. And a lot of people have a huge amount of difficulty with that word. A lot of people don't know how to say no. It's really noticeable to me that those early years of secondary, so kind of 11, 12, 13, 14, is when the most awful things seem to happen. And I'm a believer in, yeah, you do check your child's phone and you tell them you check their phone, but you're only getting a phone on the basis that I see who, I see your password's. I see what you're doing. And if you want to write something private, you take out a pen and paper and you write something private and it's your diary. If it's on your phone, it's not private. And pretending to yourself that this is your private device is not true because it's accessible.
1: Welcome to the Lessons Outside the Classroom podcast. I'm your host, John Anno, and this is the place where I interview experts and professionals about a range of topics relating to the development and growth of children. You'll also get practical tips and advice you can implement. If you have any specific topics you'd like covered, please email on at gmail.com. Today, I'm really pleased to have Stella O'Malley as a guest on the podcast. Stella is a psychotherapist, writer, and public speaker. She's the author of three best-selling books, including Bully Proof Kids, Stella believes that instead of shielding our kids from bullying, we should instead arm them with the skills to deal with bullies. Stella, welcome to the show, um, and thank you for coming on.
0: Uh, thank you very much. And I I don't say that we, we we, should shield them, we shouldn't shield them, as in I think it's inevitably going to happen because tricky people are everywhere. So it's not a case of I welcome it, and I, I, I hope some people will certainly swerve the experience of bullying because it's awful. But also, if it lands on your door, you, you, knew, you need to be able to equip your child with the skills to be able to handle it, if you yeah. follow me, because there, there's nothing you can do. Once it arrives, it arrives.
1: Mm. And I guess before we kind of go into the, the me, I mean, how would you define bullying? It might be an obvious question, uh, but we would be yeah. interesting to see your, your take on it.
0: My favourite definition is repeated aggression from somebody with more power. And, uh, you know, there's a few key words in that phrase. Repeated is key because it's not just a fight. You know, one fight between somebody isn't uh, isn't bullying. It's a fight, you know. And um, from somebody with more power, it can be tricky to figure out who has more power than another. Well, if two people are just at each other, they don't like each other and they're a bit aggressive with each other. But frankly, they're on a par with each other because they're both, you know, maybe rivals and something. That's not necessarily bullying, that's conflict. Now, that has its own problems and you have to learn how to manage it, but it's not necessarily bullying. Sometimes bullying has been called bullying when it's not, it's conflict. And we we would be better off naming it accurately so that we can give the most accurate support and help to whoever is feeling, you know, the experience.
1: Brilliant. So this fo- podcast is mainly focused around children in primary school and I've got two kids and it's interesting kind of looking at how kids navigate would you say that you know is there such a thing as and this might be a bit controversial as you know people are more inclined to be bullied are you sort of targets for well- bullying?
0: Yeah, there's something in what you say. I kind of see it as to give generalizations and sometimes generalizations help us because we can kind of have a better understanding when we see ourselves within a framework. So I see three classic types regularly in my work as a psychotherapist. And um, I'd say I'd call the first type the passive target. And this would be somebody who is passive, gentle, generally very sweet, good-natured, They want to get along with everybody. They don't like fights. They don't want fights. They'll avoid fights. My own son would be one of them, just naturally. Now, are they always going to be targeted? No, but they will be an an easier target for the person who's roaming around the classroom seeking power, and very often bullies are seeking power, and they see that gentle, quiet person who doesn't fight back, and they just take a swipe out of them. They might rob something. They might push them because they know they won't get pushed back because they can see it. You and I could see a group of kids and within an hour, we would know who the passive, quiet, gentle type is. They're gorgeous. Do you know, I remember um, somebody read my book, Bullyproof Kids, and he emailed me and he said, um, it's actually somebody I know, but he said, you know, I'm 50 and I'm six foot two. And he said, I was bullied when I was a child. And every single day, my mother told me, hit them back. So every single morning she was giving me advice, hit them back and says, you know, I'm 50 now, I'm six foot two, I'm big and I've never hit somebody. I don't have a punch in me. And he's just that type. You know what I mean? That lovely, lovely type that just doesn't have a punch in him. And that type, I think it's helpful for us to know. Yeah, you know, that type will get targeted by bullies and that type needs to be shrewd. They're not probably going to hit back. So they need to be clever and start assessing the situation and realising what are the patterns, what are the dynamics, when is it worse? when do I need to stand near a teacher to make sure it doesn't happen, when do I need to speak up or speak to somebody near me or stand beside the upstanders or figure out when it's worth. Do you follow me? There's lots of ways to assess it that does not involve hitting back. Because when that mother was telling that boy to hit them back, he was just feeling like a worse fa- failure that he wasn't handling it properly. So we have to kind of assess the person. There's two other targets that are classically seen within the bullying framework. The, I call the second target um, the accidental target, where something accidentally happens. Maybe they have a name that accidentally rhymes with some word or something silly or stupid happens and it sticks. And, you know, I remember one boy in his trousers were pulled down. He got a name. It rhymed with his, you know, his own name. And that was it. And it stuck for a long, long time. And it was devastating for the boy. It was a silly name, but it was devastating for him and funny for everybody else. And very often bullying is funny and we don't quite admit it. And so the memes, the pylons, the gifs, they can often be quite funny. And it's easy to fall into the humor of it because it is genuinely witty. And so everybody's calling somebody a name and it's funny for everybody except for everybody except the person for whom it's targeted. So for that person, I'd come at it in a different way. And, for example, in primary school, if if your child is is kind of experienced accidental targeting, I would be all over the school. You know, there's a lovely phrase, a polite nuisance. You would become a polite nuisance in the school. You'd go in. You'd say that name is never to be said again. I want a complete veto on it. It's very damaging to my child's psyche. And so I'm going, and I'll be back in two weeks to see how that's going. And then when you go back in two weeks, and I'll be back in four weeks to see that. And as soon as they see you, they're like, oh, my God, here's your one coming back about that name. So that they realize you have lit a fire about this, that it's become a huge issue in your family and you're, you're being an advocate for the child. And then the third target, classically, is I would consider myself part of this group, the provocative target. We speak out, we say the truth, we probably annoy people with our strongly worded opinions. And once in a while, we'll make a misstep because we're human. Of course, everybody does. And people pile on because it's like, oh, yeah, you're too mouthy. You're, you've you got to just one too many opinions and you're annoying me. And those children, you know, like me when I was eight, if you follow my, my own daughter is similar to that. I'm not saying my kids were bullied. I just saw that they fell into those types and I remember once she had, she was having a falling out with her friends. And I said, like, do you want to be happy or do you want to be right here? And she looked off into the distance and she said, yeah, I, I want to be right. And that, <laughs> that would be the provocative target. As in, they don't care. They have to speak the truth. And if it's the truth, they will fight you to the death on that point. And if everybody dislikes them, they'll just look around going, well, it's the truth. Well, there's nothing I can do. It's the truth. And that type gets piled on. And when you explain what's going on, to any of those three types, and you explain these concepts, they generally feel very liberated. They don't feel boxed in. They go, yeah, that is me. Right, okay, now I kind of under Rather than, one of the horrible feelings about bullying is I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened that I've got myself into the most horrible, harrowing situation of my life. And when I work with somebody who figures out what's happened, they feel better. You know, there's some sort of, okay, I get it. A mob has happened. Somebody's looking for power. They're getting power off my back. I haven't done anything wrong. And everybody's piled on because they're all enjoying it and they think it's funny. You know what I mean? That would be classically what happens.
1: Interesting. I mean, there's three very different types, actually. Very much. Um, I'm starting to feel sorry for the passive. Oh, they're my favourite. <laughs> they're so sweet. And they're so
0: far from me, like, because I'm not at all passive. And when you meet them, you just think, God, you're lovely. If the world could be passive. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're, they're a lovely, quiet type, you know. They are.
1: But I think it, just as being a parent, I I relate to your 50-year-old guy whose parents said, oh, just don't hit them back. And I also understand that as a passive that'd be hard to do. So, so particularly, obviously with all three, but particularly when you're looking at passive, how do you support um, yeah. your child if they're like that? Because I think particularly, you know, when we talk about it, it's, it can be really serious and, you know, have lifelong implications, mm-hmm. you know, so, okay. so how do we support them? Not only, I guess, in that specific moment, but I guess ultimately it's about trying to, or helping them to build that resilience um, yeah. as well.
0: Yeah, it's a really good question because they are probably the the type that needs the most support. Um, not always. In fairness, the other two types, can it could be just as bad. But you can spot them. You, can, you know they're passive by the time they're four. Like, you know it early. And what you do if you've got young children is you teach them their strong voice at an early age. And they won't use it. But over time, if they get practice enough at it, They will start to know that it's in there and once in a while they'll use it. They won't use it lightly. So their strong voice is lower than your own voice. So when you're trying to say no, you don't go no, you go no. So you go lower. So you teach them the concept of it's a low voice. If you're trying to say no, you teach them the concept of saying no. You teach them the concept of boundaries. You've got boundaries around you. And if anybody steps into your boundaries, you can put your shoulders back and you can put your hands up and say no. And you might teach them that at a young age, between about four and eight. You can do a lot with those passive types. Nothing else but learning how to say no and learning how to have a boundary and not do something that they don't want to do. And you could teach them it in the kitchen so that they're learning to go no. And it can be fun. This isn't serious. You know, this is a fun one. No. And then if they're trying to say no to you because you're asking them to do a chore, you're honestly asking them to do something and they're trying to say no, You can give them the opportunity to practice on you You can say, well, you could use your strong voice and say no, and you'll never know how I'd respond. So you're letting them practice in the in the shallow water on you so that if they get enough practice, they might one day use it in the deep water. So that is a long, long term process that you're trying to teach them. It's basically the ability to step back and have a boundary. And um, it won't be done today or tomorrow. It'll be done with a lot of practice. When they're older, you're still teaching them the the same idea. They won't be as receptive, depending on the child, from about nine or ten. They'll just say, I can't do it. I can't do it, if you follow me. And so you'll have to kind of more, just have a little bit more patience. And still, you're still teaching them the same thing, that boundaries matter, that you need to have a kind of a boundary of steel around some things And kind of tell them stories about different people who learned to say no and how it it never came to them immediately. Just anecdotes. Look them up. You know, look them up on social media so you can say, well, there was when I was growing up, there was a boy called Peter and he never really let his best friend walk all over him. And, you know, he let his best friend eat his sweets. He let his best friend do everything. And then one day he had a favorite toy and, you, you know, you tell the story about how Peter found his strong voice or found his, his ability to say no. That will help them for life. That's not just about bullying. That's a passive person learning that there are some things you let most things go, but there's some things that you just say no, no. And it's essential. I really think it's an essential thing that we equip passive kids with. Or they will they will, you know, they will live the life that was meant for others.
1: This speaks to something that's, I guess, greater than just bullying, but actual overall life skills in terms of the power of no. And actually, it's a really, it's a good word.
0: It is an essential word. And a lot of people have a huge amount of difficulty with that word. A lot of people don't know how to say no and get themselves into really difficult territory because of their lack of ability to say no. And so you're helping your child to say no, but you're right. That whole, we teach them to share because they're between, you know, a certain age, we're teaching them kind of to be, because frankly, you know, a two-year-old is a little tyrant if if you don't. So we do have to socialise, children. And, you know, there is something in that, and we do that. But then we can teach them to not listen to their inner voice. Somewhere in the midst of our socialising them, if we overdo it, they have lost their ability to say no.
1: Now, let's for a moment look, move from the the bully to the the person who's doing the bullying uh, and particularly yeah. when you're talking about primary age kids because I guess that there, there are a couple of components to this you know one of the things that you sometimes hear is you know people that are bullies were bullied themselves and also when you go to parents because I'd imagine that in the majority of cases most parents would be mortified if they'd they know their kids are bullies and probably would not necessarily denial would hate to admit that their kids are bullies. So how, I guess prevention, my mum used to always say prevention is better than cure. How do we be more deliberate as parents in terms of making sure actually that that our child isn't one of the the people doing the bullying?
0: Yeah, I think parents tend to go into kind of planet Pluto when their child is accused of bullying and we'd be better off kind of accepting that, you know, our, our kids go wrong in many, many, many different ways. And just like some kids might be more likely to be a target, some kids might be more likely to be a bully. And it's our job to be truthful enough to see that they could tip into bullying and that we need to help them to become, you know, better people. The, the grand goal of parenting is by the time they're around 18 or 20, we have parented enough that they are fully functioning, healthy young adults. That's, that's the concept. On the way they're whacking people saying Sharon is caring and we're saying you don't do that. And on the way they're doing all sorts of things. And so I think we have to we have to be honest enough when our child has been accused of bullying to pause rather than go straight into the defensive and think about what's going on and how you could help your child. Definitely some traits do seem to bring out more bullying behavior than others. And yes, some people who are bullied definitely bully. Very definitely, if there's a bullying stroke, very competitive atmosphere at home where somebody is winning, dog is eating dog, you know what I mean? You're winning or you're losing. They can bring that into the school atmosphere where it's not dog eat dog and they're becoming the dog that's eating the dog. They're they're creating it. So it can be a competitive atmosphere at home can tip in to certain characters into a very competitive transactional approach to friendships where I win is all that matters. And that can become, that can tip into bullying. Somebody generally who's seeking power is, is generally somebody who is bullying. And there's lots of ways to seek power. We have a lovely president in Ireland, President Higgins, and he's a poet and he's a philosopher, but he didn't become a president by sitting back. He must have had some sort of power seeking you know, you don't become a president by accident. It takes a lot of effort to become a president. And so we can channel our leadership skills. We can channel our seeking power into a very good way. But we can also challenge them. channel, channel them in a much more destructive, if you look at Putin in, in Russia. Now, I don't know my, my Russian politics, but you can, if you could look at Trump, you know what I mean, that there's different people where you'd say, wow, they really use they abuse their 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 search for power there's nicer ways to seek power and they seem to seek them in a very uh combative way and that's where you could say i could see how bullying could grow from that atmosphere i did notice that um in certain schools because i've studied a lot around this because of my book certain schools that have very competitive atmospheres and it's very much you're, you're kind of up against your peers in everything. You know, it's all com- competition. That tends to breed more bullying than schools that kind of nurture a camaraderie. That we're the school, we are together, we look after each other. That type of school seems to do better than it's kind of we're all up against each other. You know what I mean? I'm basically my my, my schoolmates are my competitors. So so there is ways you can kind of nurture it. And there is definitely certain traits that, that just basically make, your, you know, that lovely phrase from Robert or Ardry, the, the, the quote, he says, we are born of risen apes, not fallen angels. We are animals. We do at two and three grab toys. And we do have a, a kind of a need for food. And there is a basic animal instinct within us. And our job is to see sometimes that our kid has lost their way and you just help to civilise them, and you need to be honest to do that. That that takes honesty.
1: Yeah, I I expect that that be that could be quite tricky for for some parents because you know you bring this beautiful little thing into the world, who is your your angel, you know your world, then to actually spots that they're they're not perfect could be yeah. challenging and I guess what you're saying here is you know conversations are are probably key and probably from a parent perspective some self self-awareness yeah. so you, you look at kind of high level emotional skills here <laughs> that you're expecting yeah. us all to have and, and yet actually you know we are we are fallible as well so it's quite 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 tricky I would have thought
0: Bullying is incredibly complex. It's really, really, really tricky, and people who think it's simple have missed the point. And yeah, you, we are expecting an awful lot from parents. It's it's kind of too much what we're expecting from parents. However, if you can stay with honesty, and without getting too emotionally heightened, you will be doing well. You, you, you know what I mean? You'll you'll be kind of handling it on some level. It does feel like that parents are immediately defensive when a child when their child is called a bully and it would be better rather than we are so kind of don't be a bully don't be a bully don't be a bully it would be better if I would argue if schools had a kind of a a kind of approach of some people tip into bullying and it would be more appropriate if um we could help them out of it now I'm not people are going to immediately say oh that's you know sympathizing with the bully and all that I'm just trying to get the best results and we'd be better off having the honesty that there are going to be some kids who tip into bullying. And we do need to, you know, lure them out of it or else they will consistently continue to bully. And we need to just be all over it as soon as it starts so that they kind of are, are helped to become better people. Definitely. And um,
1: one, I guess, other avenue for bullying that, that perhaps we didn't have when we were younger is, is phones and, and social media where you know whether it be comments, pictures, etc. How because again, I think we've all read things in the in the press where you know people have been bullied and, and really bad things have happened. How would you identify things like this? You know, you've got your child that's got a phone and probably we're talking about older kids here, maybe 11 onwards, um, but it's potentially quite secretive. Do you take the phone when they're not looking, look for it, or do you sort of create a An agreement that says, look, I need to look at your phone. And and how would you, how do you start to deal with that type of bullying?
0: And it's really noticeable to me that those early years of secondary, so kind of 11, 12, 13, 14, is when the most awful things seem to happen. Really, really terrible behavior seems to happen then. And then by the time they're, certainly by about 16, they start most, not all, definitely not all, but there's the majority have learned some sort of online etiquette, some sort of what you do online and what you don't. And it's when they first get their phone, they, they lose it. They're, they're not able for it. They've been so excited about getting it. And they kind of a lot of pretty horrible incidents have happened around about 11 and 12. And it it feels like they're, they're way in over their head. And I'm a believer in, yeah, you do check your child's phone and you tell them you check them. Their phone, that you're only getting a phone on the basis that I see who, I see your passwords, I see what you're doing. And if you want to write something private, you take out a pen and paper and you write something private and it's your diary. If it's on your phone, it's not private. And pretending to yourself that this is your private device is not true because it's accessible. And you could say, oh, they could say, oh, but it was a private conversation between me and my friend. And I would say, yeah, sure. Because all these private conversations are getting screenshotted and and shared. So it's not a private conversation between you and your friend. You think it is, but it's not. If you want to have a private conversation with you and your friend, ring them and you can have a private conversation. Talk to them in person. It's not a private device. And so therefore, I need your passwords and I need to be able to see what you're doing. And that's how you're going to have access to a phone. So that would be how I would navigate it. I know some people don't agree with me and I suppose I've seen, you know, there's a phrase called professional deformation, as in you get deformed professionally by what you do. And I've seen so much hard and devastating things on phones from people who really didn't know better. I remember one girl, she was added to, to a WhatsApp of the whole year, all the boys in the year and one girl and the boys just piled on saying what they would like to do to her sexually they were very young and it was harrowing and nobody knew it except the boys and this girl until I found out about it and she just thought she was so young she kind of thought oh it's just a silly thing the boys are doing I was like, that's not a silly thing the boys are doing that is devastating for like a hundred boys to talk about you in your presence because you're in the group chat if you follow me and there's an example of immature boys not really realising that they were part of something horrible. And she didn't know she was being brutally distressed by this. That that would linger, if you follow. me. She was very young and they were very young. And that's where somebody's parent should have picked up a phone somewhere in the midst of that and said, what is this conversation?
1: Well, that's, that's pretty sobering. Actually, mm-hmm. and I think you know a line that you mentioned in this particular particular case, and this for me, you know, we're going to talk about what what things, what maybe pieces of advice you'll give to to parents, and I guess this probably looks at you know both if you think your child's being bullied but also you know what to try and stop it and, and one of the things in that situation is you've probably got a few people making a comment then other people commenting um maybe smiley emojis and and actually that kind of pile in not necessarily making a comment but actually thumbs up with you know or smiley face or whatever that like actually, act actually does as much if not worse damage so When we're talking about conversations that you have with children, I think, one, it feels as though this needs to be a specific conversation or conversations that I had with children over time in terms of look this about specific forms like mobile phones, WhatsApp groups, et cetera. I mean, what's your view on that in terms of how how we start to stop there being more bullies and stop people being bullied?
0: I think it needs to be a series of conversations that continues all the way through all the way through from a young age to really until they leave home of online etiquette I think children should be taught online etiquette in first year and secondary or in sixth class or something like that you know what I mean around about nine or ten or eleven they need to be taught how you behave online because we've taught them how to behave socially we've taught them to say please and thank you we've taught them to smile at you know at somebody when they're You know, put out their hand and say hello, or whatever. We've taught them how to behave, but we haven't taught them how to behave online. We ourselves just learned it slowly. They're learning it very, very quickly when they're eleven and they get the phone. It's like bang now, and they haven't—they haven't learned it. They don't know how, and some of them vaguely learn from their brothers and sisters, but they don't really. And then, like I say, a few years later, they've learned. The damage that gets done in those first few years is frightening. I do think that. You're right, a like, a share, a smiley face is part of a pylon and that needs to be taught in in online etiquette. If one person is being kind of, um, lots of people, like I said, bullying is very often funny. And if lots of people are laughing at a line because it's funny, but actually one person is the target and that one person, funny or not, is um, really experienced trauma. I remember, do you remember the Caroline Flack pylons that was a really good example. of They were very often very funny. And so it was very easy to put a smiley face, but then you could have been one of 100,000 people who pressed a like. And how did she feel when she saw oh, 100,000 people are laughing at this, at this joke, yeah. which is funny, yeah. but it's about me, if you follow me. And that's where people, I think it's really important that you show your children stories from the media, things like Caroline Flack, just stories that are out there, celebrity stories, stories about, you know, catfishing, stories about all these different things before they get their phone, that you've showed them stories about what goes on online before they've ever got a phone. So they're learning it before they've ever got a phone that, wow, crazy things can happen. And you could say, look, there's a bullying thing going on here. Look at all those people pressing like, and they'd be watching the likes go up. And you haven't pressed like and say the reason I'm not pressing like, even though it's funny and even though that person has behaved badly, is that's a pylon, that's a pylon, and I'm not going to be part of it. Do you know what I mean? And so you're teaching them etiquette, and I think it should be taught in school. It wouldn't take a lot of time, and it's huge learning in it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think you make some really important points in terms of, and I know that sort of schools are doing, you know, have introduced some of this, but actually it feels well from my perspective uh, as a parent it's one of these things that you need to take um ownership of you need to take control whatever the school's doing great if they are then you supplement it um if not you need to specifically take ownership because as you say bullying can be can have effects for decades and decades you know
0: one of the reasons why i wrote the book "Bullyproof kids was because so many people came into my practice you know clients and I'd say, when did things first go wrong? And they'd say, well, you no, know, when I was bullied at 10 or when I, when I was excluded at 14, so many people trace back their first uneasiness in life was some sort of exclusion or bullying or some sort of bullying incident. It was so common that I thought this really lasts. We've really got to deal with it. Never mind the numbers of adolescents that I was treating that were feeling the impact of bullying and social exclusion. I think we do. We ask an awful lot of schools these days. We ask an awful lot of parents. And we have to share the burden. It can't just be teach that on, on in school. One thing that I've noticed, a lot of schools have contacted me to thank me. And I think I'm right in pointing out, you know, in primary school, the schools can do a huge amount. They really can. They can have a huge impact on bullying. When it gets to secondary, and most of the bullying happens at 1am at night, the school's ability to to be able to navigate what's happening at 1am in two people's homes, from one bedroom to another online. What can the school do about that, if you follow me? This needs to be, the parents need to take the phones off those children, if you follow me. And so that's where it gets really tricky, where the parent might be expecting the school to handle the online bullying and the school will be saying, this is beyond our control in a way. We, they're behaving on our grounds they're not behaving elsewhere it's tricky it's really difficult
1: yeah it is and um, well look this has been fascinating we're, we're almost going to be concluding here but i know we've talked a l- about a lot of things here, and you've given a lot of advice. But what I'd like to do is kind of round up, are there, you know, if you could, I know they're not only just three, but summarize three key pieces of advice that you'd give to any parents or guardians of children, you know, in primary, early, secondary school with regards to bullying, either being bullied or who might be the people doing the bullying?
0: Um, yeah, the first one that comes to mind is that. Parents need to hold their game face when the child is divulging bullying because so many children and teenagers have come to me saying, I can't say it to my mother again. She cried the first time or she got my dad got so angry. He went into the school and it got worse. And so it's very important that parents don't lose their head when they hear about bullying. It's kind of a case of don't it's we often say we'll take a bullet for a child. This might be the bullet, but you hold it together. You keep on your game face. You listen to the kid. You have total sympathy, but you don't go mad and you want to because somebody's hurting your child in a nasty way. But you keep it together. And it's the same if they're being a bully. You have to think about it. Don't lose it and then say, listen, this is really big. I'm going to think about this and I'm going to research it. I'm going to check things out. I'm going to do it properly and it'll take some time before we're better. It's going to take us better. I'm with you, shoulder to shoulder. I'm with you all the way. This is going to take some time and let me come back to you. Then you can go leave the house and scream and rage. You know what I mean? Like King Lear on the heath. but don't do it in front of the kid because they think my parents can't handle it. And the second time it happens, the third time it happens, they don't tell their parents because they're like, my parents, are, they're losing it. So I, they can't, have, I can't do it to them. Uh, another piece of advice I would say is become involved in your child's online life. To think that you can't be involved in what they're doing is kidding yourself. Like in every other era, your parents knew who your friends were. And it doesn't matter if they're online friends. You need to know who they are, what they're like, what they say. It's like, remember back in the day, you'd, you'd your parents would knock on the door and say hello to whoever was in your bedroom. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you, you, you should be doing that. You need to go into the sit room and say, who are you playing with? And will go, what? I'm online. As if I've got this special space. It's like, no, 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 no. This is part of their life and you need to know who they're hanging out with online. So I, I, I'm I very heavy on the make sure that it's online. And the last one is teaching your child the concept of what I said earlier boundaries and saying no. It's a gift for life. Being able to handle tricky people is a gift you'll have for life. And so if you can teach your child how to handle tricky people by having the ability to have a boundary, hold a boundary and say no, you know, you're equipping them with something that they they will they will always use.
1: That's brilliant. Thank you. I've actually thought of another another question actually when do you or or do you if you're in a situation where your your child's been been bullied and it's by a friend yeah when do you or do you speak to their parents
0: yeah that's a really common question and it's a good one um I would I, I go into that in quite a bit of detail in the book because it's tricky because sometimes it really works and sometimes it very badly implodes and it doesn't work at all. And so you could say, you know, I remember a parent saying, you know, I changed the nappies of these kids and they're now, because t- I was so involved. We were in and out of each other's houses. I raised them along with my child. And now they're all bullying my child. It's so devastating when it's, you know, friends, we've gone on holidays together and now they're bullying my kid. More common than people realise. It, they, the, you know, these these kids, they slip into bullying one kid in the friend group, and it takes some time for the child to realize they're being bullied, and it's it's really slow and terribly cruel, and it's really slowly happens, and so I do think if you think it's possible, but I would tread very lightly. It's almost like imagine if you really, really, really fancy somebody, you don't go up to them and say, you know, will you will you be my husband? You you go lightly with maybe would you like to go for a coffee so you might start with something very gentle with there seems to be a tricky thing kind of arising between the kids have you have you noticed it as opposed to oh my god your child is evil they are ruining my child's life and get them away from me because that won't work now it might be true it might have become true your the, the the bully in question might be incredibly pernicious but for you to get a better result, and that's what you want, you might want to just go in and say, there's something, something going wrong with the dynamic. Are you hearing anything about it? And just let's see how the conversation unfolds over the next few weeks. And that's where I go back to. You tell your child, this is going to take time. This isn't going to happen. This isn't going to be stopped quickly. A lot of parents say, don't you worry. I'm going into the school tomorrow. I will put a stop to this. And the parent is so angry, they think they will. And then, then they had this devastating realisation of we can't stop the world turning. Our anger might feel like it will, but it won't. So you can go into the school, you can rage at the parents and it's still happening and the child has lost trust in you and you haven't stopped it. And you've given your child a false promise that didn't happen. You'd be much better off saying, this is going to take some time. I'm going to try loads of different things. Some things will work, some things won't. And so that's just one of them, but you tread. Carefully with that
1: one. Brilliant. Thank you. Stella, this has been amazing. We're coming to a close now, but can you tell our listeners where they can find out more about you? You've got a book, Bulletproof Kids, which is amazing. and uh, Where can they get
0: that? Sure, I can. Well, you know, you can get Bulletproof Kids in all good bookshops and in uh, Amazon and Swift Press are the publishers. And um, I have a website, stellaomalley.com where you'd find most of my things. And I'm easily found on Twitter. I'm on Twitter too much and I'm on Facebook, not enough. (laughs) And I'm on Instagram, barely at all. I am on the other two a little bit, but um, you'll find me easily if you Google me.
1: Fantastic. Stella, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much.
0: Thank you. I really enjoyed the, the, the conversation.
1: I hope you enjoyed listening to that episode. You can subscribe for free to get notifications whenever a new episode is released. And remember, reviews are always welcome as it helps new listeners find me.